Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 722. Unreadable. I forced my eyes away from her face again, so hard to break that lifetime's worth of habit. Which is both bad and good. Come. She turned and walked closer to the tree. It was bigger than I had thought. The smaller branches moved in wild curving patterns as the wind tossed them about. Shaheen picked up a fallen leaf and handed it to me. It was broad and flat, the size of a small plate, and surprisingly heavy. My hand stung, and I saw a thin line of blood trailing down my thumb. I examined the edge of the leaf and saw it was rigid, its edge as sharp as a blade of grass. Sword tree, indeed. I looked up at the spinning leaves. Anyone standing near the tree when the wind was high would be cut to ribbons. Shaheen said, If you were to attack this tree, what would you do? Would you strike the root? No, too strong. Would you strike the leaf? No, too fast. Where, then? The branch. The branch. Agreement. She turned to me. That is what Tempe has not taught you. It would have been wrong for him to teach you that. Nevertheless, you have suffered for it. I don't understand. She gestured for me to begin the katan. Automatically, I fell into catching sparrows. Stop! I froze in position. If I am to attack you, where should it be? Here? At the root? She pushed my leg and found it unyielding. Here? At the leaf? She pushed at my upheld hand, moving it easily, but accomplishing little else. Here? The branch. She pushed gently against one of my shoulders, moving me easily. And here? She added pressure to my hip, spinning me around. Do you see? You find the place to spend your strength, or it is wasted. Wasting strength is not of the Lathani. Yes, Shaheen. She raised her hands, falling into the position where I had caught her before, midway through Heron falling. Make thunder upward. Where is my root? I pointed to her solidly planted feet. Where is the leaf? I pointed to her hands. No. From here to here is the leaf. She indicated her whole arm and demonstrated how easily she could freely strike with her hands, elbows, or shoulders. Where is the branch? I thought for a long moment, then tapped her knee. Though she gave no sign of it, I sensed her surprise. And? That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jorana. I'm Nick, and before we get into it, there's a couple possible printing discrepancies I want to talk about. Jeremy, in your book... Uh, rather, you read, automatically I fell into catching sparrows. Is that yep. what is printed? That is what is printed. Okay, in in my book, it is catch sparrows, Ooh. not catching sparrows. And secondly, when Shaheen is indicating her whole arm and demonstrated how she could freely strike with her hands, you read how easily she could freely strike with her hands. Is that printed in your book? Uh, no, it says how she could freely strike with her hands, elbows, or shoulders. So that was my error. Okay. Then. All right, well, we have one printing discrepancy on the page interesting mm. uh, i find this really fascinating because this reveals a little bit of i think something profound about adam culture adam philosophy adam thought because this thing that tempe did not teach quoth which would have been wrong for him to teach him is something foundational it's something that all adam know before they begin learning the ketan and so I think that it's something, it's like a cultural understanding, this idea about the 
not not spending energy in unnecessary places and understanding that the branch is is where to attack so you know protect the branch um and so clearly tempe knew enough not to tell quoth that not to teach that to him but it's something that you need to understand before you can actually start to practice the ketan in a meaningful way or at least that's how i take this page and i find that revealing about edemic thought and culture let's say you cohort yeah i mean i think i agree with that reading it's like I don't know if it's like something that you would know before you started learning 8M martial arts, but I think that it's like, at the very least, it's an idea, like their philosophy of their martial arts is completely intertwined with their philosophy, with their philosophy about everything else. Right. So it's like, it's a thing that maybe you wouldn't even necessarily, like, I think that it is something that you teach people in the context of the martial arts, like, you know, using the sword tree as a metaphor and I think that maybe the reason that Tempe didn't teach it is because like, that's part of the secret of what makes this martial arts so effective, but it's also kind of like a secret about their culture in general that he did not feel comfortable sharing. But the reason that Shaheen is like, it's both good and bad. Uh, like he was right not to teach you that, but also like you're never going to be a good martial artist if you don't understand this concept because the moves that you're learning need to be applied in particular ways, like depending on the context. And from my own experience of learning various armed and unarmed martial arts, like that also totally makes sense. Like you always want to, you know, look for the places where your opponent is like biomechanically at a disadvantage, right? You like where they have the least leverage, where they have the least stability and attack back. And it seems like they learned this from watching the tree. This actually kind of reminds me of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, where apocryphally they learned bending from the various animals and creatures around them by watching them and how they interact with their world. The Like the badger moles, for example, digging through the mountainside taught the original earthbenders how to earthbend. And so this reminds me of that. Like they seem to have watched this tree and derived their martial art from it. Yeah. I think you could also read it as like, I think it's a chicken or the egg question. Cause I think you could also read it as they developed the martial arts and then realized that the motions of the tree was a really good way to explain these fundamental concepts, which are analogous to like, you know, fort and foible in uh sword play. Mm-hmm. We will eventually learn something of the origins of the Adam, or at least a version of it. When we hear the story of, I cannot remember their names, uh, the archer character. Uh, but I suspect, you know, if if there is any meat to this theory, I, it's probably like a myth of theirs. Like, oh, yes, we watched the tree and mm. the tree taught us its ways. But it is interesting that there is this thing that so deeply enmeshes with Adam thought and motion uh, that they have either built around or I don't know. Did they plant it there? Interesting that like their environment is so closely entwined with their nature. Yeah. Jordana, what do you make of all of this? I mean, I mostly agree. I, I was thinking a similar thing when Nick was saying to think about the like the badger mole like avatar thing where it's like they're taking from nature and learning it sort of that way. So I uh I don't know, I agree, I guess. That's all I got. <laughs> mm. We you- were having this conversation a couple of days ago about, you know, uh, how did we learn to drink milk? How did we learn to make bread? And arguably, it's the same answer. Like we watched nature, we un- gathered these things from 
from seeing how other beings interacted with them and, and gain knowledge from it. It's a, it's a metaphor for all of human knowledge, wouldn't you say? Okay, suddenly this page is like way deeper than I thought it was, but yeah. <laughs> what, what do you make of the fact that um, the phrase spinning leaves appears on this page and pages ago, Quoth starts to think of his kind of like the state of thought he's in when answering questions about the Lathani is spinning leaf. I think that Rothus just wants to put it in there so we're thinking about it. No, he's the knack for naming. He has a knack for correctly assigning names to concepts and things. Like with Kethsalan, the one sock horse, he understands, even though without understanding it, he sort of intuits the true nature of a thing before it is apparent to him with his other senses. And I think this is another example of that. I do not think this is a, a coincidence. Okay, fine. Reasonable. I think that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> that Nick doesn't think okay, it's a coincidence. <laughs> no, no, the word reasonable. <laughs> it occurs to me that I say it a lot. Not, only because you two are right. such reasonable people. That's right. Of course. That's right. But, yeah. Well, yeah. Jordana, you're in charge of the, the merch design. So Indeed. I could see that working. I could see like just in, in like Helvetica font and then a simple image of a picket fence below it or something like that. <laughs> see that working very well. To be yeah. fair, last time I did like a t-shirt that was just words, uh, or mostly words. It was the I Have Things t-shirt, and that one is done in like our brand font. So, Secrets of the Merch Designers, available <laughs> only to you on this uh, this Page of the Wind channel podcast. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about on the page? I'm good. We have another letter from Haiku, who writes, Approaching the Café. Page 677 and maybe a little beyond. Are you in the business of close reading? In the Fae, one must see past, through, or beyond the complexion of the material dimension. Quote, After walking for a long while, I didn't seem to be coming much closer to the tree. End quote. Is Quoth and his curiosity willing himself, like an alar, closer to this supposedly overly protected being? In later pages, Felurian, or is it Bast, tells us of the twelve jailers or protectors of the Cathay. Is Quoth the bloodless Alar so strong that it gets harvested or hooked like a soul's tether in the ethereal plane by the Cathay? You mentioned the butterflies were dead. Are they dead? A bright flutter of color under the tree's canopy caught my eye. This is the last reason that Quoth's curiosity caused him to step off the path. But what is fluttering here? The butterflies or the Cathay like an anglerfish? Or is it the wind fluttering the dismembered wings? The Cathay targets curiosity. The first sense of curiosity is that of fluttering sight and color. Does a bird's feather in the wind not catch the predatory attention of a cat? The second curiosity is that of hunger and appetite, smell and taste, the things which invite consumption. Thirdly, the curiosity of the wonder of beauty. Beauty of the land is appreciated by Albert Camus as something which negates humanity. How far is the path? How large, in comparison, is person from thing? Signed, Haiku. I really enjoy the quality of this person's letters and how they end them with a haiku. <laughs> Gotta commit to the bit. Heck yes. And we know something about committing to bits, don't we? we do. I think that both of these things can be true. I think that the butterflies are dead, but the the Cathay also intentionally uses them to attract close attention. I don't think it's an accident that it's a, a burst of color that, that draws his attention when he's about to decide not to come closer. I think that it is killing butterflies for fun and to pass the time. But it also is not above using them as a, as you say, an angler's lure. It has a dual purpose. Yes. I also like the idea that the tree does not seem to become closer until Quoth like really wills himself to get there. Like maybe he did kind of burst past 
some kind of boundary and barrier with the strength of his ally. That's a new idea that I quite like. I don't know that we are ever told that there are 12 jailers of the Cathay. If so, uh, I have forgotten that detail. I do not know that we are ever told that there are tw- that there are 12 Sitha, although that is kind of a cool idea. The 12 Sitha versus the 7 Chandrian. But uh, I think that may be a, mis- uh, a misremembrance. Um, and then finally, I really like the idea also of the Cathay feeding off or targeting curiosity because as uh, Haiku writes here, uh, all of like they all of the senses are tantalized by the Cathay. There's the sight, the fluttering of the color, the beauty of the the setting, and then also there's the sense of uh, curiosity of like hunger. The scent of the wood is so powerful that Kvothe wants to put it in his mouth. Like all of his senses are activated by this. It really is a uh, a feast. Yes, a feast for the senses. A multi sensory wonderland. Yes. That's a good point. Interesting things to ruminate on. But thank you for your letter and for your moving piece of poetry. And I think we will be treated to many more in the near future. Cool. Well, if you want more haikus, you got to tune in for tomorrow's page. Tune in to the next episode of this podcast or you will be slain. What?